All right. Greg Vitti here with Real Estate Legends. I'm so excited to be talking to Scott Maisel of SVN Commercial, I guess is what we call it now. We've gone through some different name changes. So, Scott, I know that uh, you're definitely a real estate legend in my mind. You've been in it long enough and you've been a part of so much of this renaissance over here in the West Loop and all. But let's start off with your family. Where, where'd you grow up originally? I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. No kidding. Yep. Been here since uh, right after college, 1991, I got here to Chicago. Where'd you go to college? A small school in North Carolina called Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina. I just study business administration. Smart. I had uh, played a couple of years of college football, realizing I wasn't going to go play pro and stop playing. And <laughs> basically, my brother lived here. I came up to visit. I went to one of the street festivals, thought it was the best city in the world, and moved up like two months later. Well, it's funny, if you look at all the different cities you could go to, all of a sudden, Chicago becomes an obvious choice. Yeah. And, uh, but just walking here to this interview, this whole area is like Disney World. It's incredible what's happened over here. And I'll bet you get excited every time you walk around here. I do. And I, I was very lucky that I like to say I picked the, for once in my life, picked the right neighborhood at the right time. The transformation of this neighborhood has been bigger than I ever had it could wildly imagine. How could anyone, expect. really? I mean, even Andy Glore of Sterling Bay, you know, has done more, I bet you, than he probably thought he would because they've dominated and rebuilt this neighborhood. And I was here to see it and, and be a part of it. And it's been a lot of fun. So after college, you moved yep. to Chicago. Yep. What was your first job in Chicago? <laughs> so I was bartending, actually. And actually, that's where I met another real estate legend by the name of Tim Glasgow. About a year into moving here, I actually opened a restaurant and bar. It's called The Stepping Stone. I had it from 1992 to 1997. So and you uh, survived that. And I survived. I was 23 when I opened it. Wow. So it was uh, it was during the Michael Jordan era. So it was a pretty cool time to be in the bar business and just be in Chicago and be in my 20s. And it, it was a blast. But that's very entrepreneurial. You yeah. At such a young age, you used your business administration. Did you get some investors? No, actually, I myself and one individual bootstrapped it and, you know, went in, undercapitalized, lost our... Lost our butts for a while, but uh, it was a great experience. As I say, I was doing real estate during the day, actually, and uh, Mr. Tim Glasgow offered me a job. So selling real estate during the day in the bar business at night. And what I like to say is I was doing two things mediocre and not one thing well, but having a hell of a good time. You know, when I jumped into it, I didn't know anything. I was just hustling and didn't know real estate, didn't know Chicago, didn't, didn't really know anything at that point. And I remember walking into the office with Tim and literally he basically punched me in the arm, said, there, go get them, there's your training. <laughs> and there's a phone. So it was a very old school approach. And I kind of, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons through the years and how we, we evolved to the organization we are now, but there was no training. There was just, you know, be competitive, make phone calls, talk to people. And the bar business at the time really helped too. I was actually had brokered a lot of restaurant and bars because I knew all the bar owners from being a bar owner and being real estate. And being at those and, bars and late night. Those <laughs> bars <laughs> late night as well, absolutely. I was actually a waiter at Arnie's. Okay. And my first year in real estate, I was waiting tables. And I think I sold like half of the employees at Arnie's places. I yep. convinced them to get you know, yeah. through. Yeah. So you stayed at Glasgow's how long? About six years. Wow. Yeah. I really did learn a lot from Tim. It was in bits and pieces and it was, he had his own style and, you know, the family had been there, I don't know, 70, 80 years. And so really realizing from him, I think early on was 
you need to own property. That you know, he he was a broker probably back in the day, but really he was he was yeah, he was he was, he was an owner. Owner. He, he would put his money together and just buy a two thousand dollar two flat. Yep. And his friends would all go drinking, and he'd say, you know what, I, I'm gonna buy this property. He ended up buying that whole corner yep. there at Halstead and Webster. Owns all three corners. And uh, you know, I give him credit that he had, he had Kyle go out and learn from really good commercial yep. agencies. Agreed. And now Kyle has taken the whole empire to another dimension. Absolutely. <laughs> to a whole other level. And kudos to them. And we'll yeah. definitely get Tim and Kyle on the show. Yeah, Hopefully Sean too. Yeah. So my path after that was I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. I left Chicago for about six months. And I was uh, dating a girl who had moved to New York. Thought maybe I'd go to New York. I went back to Boca Raton, Florida, worked construction for my brother. And mind you, after being in the bar business for five years, I, I was a little out of shape. <laughs> and so I lost 30 pounds, made a decision. I couldn't work for my brother and came back to Chicago and hit the ground running. And then I became a full-time broker for John Figlioli, your cousin. That's right. That's uh, right. It's from 1998 to 2002, I think it was. Uh, How was his training program compared to Glass You know what? I will tell you, John was very technical. His delivery wasn't so great. Right. <laughs> but his technical approach was way more than... Tim was old school, you know, Buy it. just I'll get it done and, and figure it out. John was very disciplined. Oh, yeah. Very smart. I learned a lot from him in terms of how to look at a building, how to approach a deal. Probably even more so than I did with Tim because John was, had been, he's going and running a brokerage company. And he was doing a lot of brokers. He, he was doing a lot of brokers. But he had bought a lot of free stuff. Absolutely. Very so John... Much like Tim, they all had their own style, and he was a little gruff, rough around the edges, but I learned a lot from him. Well, you have to say, you know, that sometimes uh, feedback's a gift, yeah. even if the delivery sucks. <laughs> it I mean, is, it, yeah. It's helpful that Absolutely. you talk with tough guys, and they, you know, too, I think it gives you a thicker skin. Absolutely. So, by the time you were cold calling around here, and I know yeah. you did a lot of knocking yeah. doors, you did a lot of cold calling, you yeah. built relationships with people that are lifelong yeah. now. So in 2002, I remember that I had built up John's kind of retail division. I was doing a lot of retail leasing. And at that point in time, I kind of remember saying, okay, John, what's the next step? I've been here for four and a half years. And I said, you know, could I be a partner? Could I do something? He said, absolutely not. I said, okay. And so I actually, at the same time, I had people starting to kind of recruit me and call me. And I actually had gotten a referral from a residential broker and a light bulb went off that I should probably try and connect with the, at the time, the number one residential real estate broker in the entire city of Chicago. And that was Sean Conlon. Sean Conlon. That was Sean Conlon. I got a referral. I met some people that he just opened Sussex and Riley in 2000. I met a couple of people, got a referral, worked on, on the deal, closed the transaction. And I had actually never met Sean. And there's, there's kind of a funny story I like to tell about he and I. John and I had realized Sean was doing a lot of business. So I had tried to set up a lunch meeting with John and Sean. It took me about three months. Sean was that busy. And I remember the morning of the, the lunch that John actually canceled. And I said, what are you doing? And I said, but this meeting has been three months. What are you doing? He goes, ah, I got something else to do. And I, I never really to this day know wasn't 100% sure why he canceled. But at that lunch, Sean Conlon said, I like what you're doing. Why don't you put a proposal together and come and run and start my commercial division on the start? And that conversation never would have happened if John was at lunch with us. 
So it was interesting how I came back, John said, so how was your lunch? And I said, good. And in the back of my mind, little did I, I didn't say it, but I thought, little do you know, John, I'm leaving. Because here's an opportunity. But you know what? I think that, that he probably felt that and, and he wasn't going to get in your go. way. Yeah, why well, he didn't go. Yeah, yeah. so my, my current office is at John's building, uh, uh, you know, Webster yep. and Elston. Yeah. You know, we're first cousins yep. and he's a character. Great. And God bless him because he's done very well. Yep. And he's very smart to take on people like you. Yep. Just like you took on Chris Earl, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. So it's funny. So like I remember Sean Conlon, my first time really meeting him was at a property where he showed up. He was with Leader Realty and his people were away late. So I said, Sean, let's talk about this property. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the zoning. What's that? And I explained to him what the zoning is. Now, the guy figured it out really fast yes. because by the time he got the Canadian straight, within minutes, he had hundreds of listings. Yeah. So one of the defining moments between Sean and I, and I think why he asked me to be his partner, occurred prior to us actually ever meeting. And what happened was he gave me a listing and he said, you know, I, by the way, I don't like commercial brokers. I, I haven't met a good one. They, they, I, I make introductions. They go around my back. So just know that when I introduce you to this developer, all communication goes through me, everything. And Sean at the time might've been one of the busiest men on the planet. Right. How would you so I would have to give a message to him. He'd then talk to the developer. I mean, it would take weeks to just get a response. One day I'm over there showing the property and on the first floor and a group out of New York says, hey, we wanna um, maybe make this a live work. There's condos above, can we go look? I said, sure. So I walked him up there. As I'm walking him out, ironically, the developer was there. and. I said, oh yeah, I was just showing them. They were here from New York and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, all right. Uh, you know, if the con anything in the condos, obviously Sean wants to be involved. I said, yeah, I know, I'll let him know, I'll, I'll call him. Well, if my phone doesn't ring and Sean, I had never met him at this point, starts yelling at me. saying, <laughs> what are you doing? You're trying to steal my client and blah, blah, blah. Get a bad temper. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> I, and so it's funny because I then also had a little bit of a temper probably too. And I yelled back at him. Good. And I said, I said, Sean, are you kidding me? I said, do you think I'm an idiot? I don't bite the hand that feeds me. You're too busy, blah, 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 get it. And he said, calm down, calm down. <laughs> he started telling me to calm down. And I said, he said, fine. And we hung up on each other. And I went to a few people I knew, Pat Cullen, Jim Roth, who were over there at right and said, uh, I just think I blew this relationship because I yelled at him. No. And the reality was that, that that was, I think, something in my favor. The other part was, it was Christmas Eve, and I got a phone call from a general contractor, and he said, hey, are you still talking? This is before I was partners with him. He goes, are you still dealing with Sean Conlon? I said, yeah, why? He goes, well, there's a, a water main flood. Looks like it's going to flood their Roscoe Village office. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm in Boca Raton for the holidays with my family, and Sean's here. I, I never really called him out of the blue like this, but I had captured his number, so I called him. He gets out of bed, races over there. And I called my buddy back. I said, this better be a problem. I just got Sean Conlon at 11 o'clock on Christmas night yeah. out, out of bed. And he, he pulled up and he said, you know what, Scott? Thank you so much for the heads up. God bless. Have a good night. And so those two defining moments, I think he knew I had his back from Florida. And two, I yelled at him. <laughs> and we, I was lucky enough to be partners with him for four and a half years. The commercial division was started by scratch by me. We didn't have a website. We didn't have policies. We didn't have procedures. We didn't have anything. So I then built it up to ultimately there was 18 of us in the commercial division. 
We were profitable, I think, by the third year. And then in the period of the fourth year, I actually bought that commercial division and rolled it out as my own freestanding company. What'd you call it? It was called SR Commercial. So I took the Sussex and Riley just and moved it to that. Immediately during that time, I was actually approached by a regional recruiter for SVN at the time called Sabraven X. And when I did that, during the process of negotiating with them, my mom passed away of cancer. So I stopped all negotiations, kind of went dark on everybody, and then came back. And in September, my mom had passed in August of that year. I said, okay, I'm doing this. And again, I had put, I had bought the commercial division. I had started my own company. This is 07. And then I opened the doors to this company, January 1, 2008. It just started the nosedive into- Million jobs a month. Yeah, I, it, was, it was the worst period ever to be able to open up a company. Uh, here I opened up a company that lives and buys, dies by transactions, and there was no transactions. So fast forward to the fact that by the middle of 09, I was hemorrhaging money. I was about to probably go bankrupt, and I had a decision to make. Uh, I brought on my equity partner, who's still with me today, Mr. Al Steppen. Well, Michael Thanasaurus is our CFO, and then Al Steppen. He grew up in the Chicago North Shore family. It's very familiar. Steppen Chemical. Yeah, Steppen Chemical. Yeah, and so Al and I, from the bar days, actually had been longtime friends. And I had given his start in commercial real estate at Sussex and Riley years before, and he went off to be a developer. So when he came back, and everyone was talking about um, wanting to buy distressed properties, so he worked for a developer, came back, hung his license, and he said, yeah, I want to buy some distressed properties. I said, how about trying a distressed business? Because if you don't, I'm going to close the doors. So we cut a deal. He took over majority control of the company. That is going back to, I guess, 09. And fast forward to where we are now. And I will say, you know, you asked the question, what, what is what I've done and what I've built? I couldn't have done it without partners. I mean, we, we've become too big of a, of a company and, and machine that part of Al's brainchild was the Denver office that we, we owned together. We obviously, we opened a Boca office, which we'll talk about, that was last year, and a bad timing in the middle of the pandemic. So we opened it. And then we have a debt and equity company that we do some bridge lending on. And then we have a property management group that we have about two and a half million square feet. So none of this would have been possible without having, we're, we're kind of called the three-headed monster, where I'm the deal guy, Al was big picture, capital, recruitment, these other business lines, and Michael's our CFO. So it's been a good partnership. It's, uh, it's you know, been 14 years now. Well, you know, it's all about relationships. I think that this business has always been about relationships, but it's exciting to see that you you figured out how to build one, mm-hmm. doing your own, then you figured out how to buy one. Yes. <laughs> then you figured out how to transfer in, and you were smart enough to figure out that you needed the partners and you got Absolutely. Them. And so when, did you really buy, start buying properties around here? Ironically, the building, I own the building next door. It's a 30,000 square foot office building. And that's where we originally had SVN or Spraven S in 08. The irony of that building for me, it was the first building I bought here. I was obviously in Florida with my mom, but we closed on that the exact same day my mom passed away. Wow. Yeah. And my partners on that building obviously handled it and whatever. But so that kind of came back and, and I'd say after, that event, both with my mom and with SVN, it was a very big turning point, and it was struggling for quite a while. But we were here in the neighborhood, and Sean Conlon and I had the commercial division at Lake and Aberdeen 
from 2002 to 2006. So I kind of had left the neighborhood and then I came back. And my timing in one regard wasn't good, but another was phenomenal. The other transaction that is notable that most people now call it the Floyd's Barbershop building is the building that I own on Randolph Street. My wife and I were trying to have kids. We couldn't and said, you know what, let's just do something different. This building came up. And of course, when I put the building under contract, we found out we were pregnant with twins. Wow. So I, so I had nine-year-old twins. But we brought them into that property. It was a former meatpacking building that we got rehab. We put Floyd's on the first floor, an office tent on the second floor. And we lived, my, my kids lived when they were six months old because we were behind schedule, obviously, on the construction in that space from the time they were until six years old. So that was kind of the first one. And it was, you know, it was amazing to think that you look at that property when I bought it in 2012 and some of you said, you're going to be around Soho House Hotel, Nobu Hotel, Google and McDonald's headquarters are all going to be within a two block radius. And I said, no, you couldn't predict it. You couldn't predict how the area would grow and then bought a variety of other properties over the next few years that I either had you know, some kind of interest in, or, you know, I, I, for one example, I think, you know, Scott Stiffel is the dentist. Well, Scott called me and said, Hey Scott, I got a million dollars burning a hole in my pocket. I said, find me, cause he's a bit smart real estate guy too. He's bought a lot of property. He said, find me a deal on the West loop. I said, if I find it, I'm in. Well, we found one. It was it's still, we still own it today. It's a doggy daycare, a half a block from Google called Tucker Puffs. Sure. And so that. Then I found another property on Randolph that I rehabbed and sold. I put a, it was a warehouse I converted to a restaurant. So I've been very, very lucky and very blessed to have the assets that I do over here. I mean, when you have a few sales, we probably should talk about because I know that you got to know these uh, meat packers yeah, pretty well. Huh? I, I've sold more meat packers in the neighborhood. I sold Amity Packing, Morialli Meats. The one I just did last week was Amy Lou's, and you see it in Whole Foods, use Amy Lou's chicken sausage. She just left, uh, we just sold that to LG for $32 million. Wow. But what I was able to do, I think I got credibility because I lived in the neighborhood. I had a, taken a former meatpacking building, and I just picked, because it was called Joseph Baumgartner and Son. So I would point to that, and all the meatpackers knew. And this, I think the one thing I realized and I did was to, when I just got one meatpacker, I said, who are the other guys? Introduce me to the other guys. And it just kind of spiraled from there. But they were interesting individuals to deal with. And I would, one in particular, I can remember. Like, like, but you're a down-earth guy, so I <laughs> really love that part about you. Yeah, but I was still a real estate guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's still guys, show, they, show up in a suit. Yeah, no, I didn't. I barely ever showed up. Dressed up. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And if anything, I also remember one in particular. I brought him cigars, golf balls, booze, you know. And a couple of times, I had the requested, fine, you want to meet me here? Fine, meet me here four in the morning. And I was so close, so I was like, sure, yeah. no problem. But, I, but <laughs> so, because their day ended at like 10, they started like one in the morning. And you're proven to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The, two, the two things that stand out in my conversations with the meatpackers were, as they saw things developing in the area, one of them said, and I was having a conversation, he goes, well, I know when we're gonna leave. I said, you do? When? He go, I go, when are you gonna leave? He goes, when my forklift kills a Googler. Because <laughs> it was two worlds colliding. Oh, they were. It was, we had now trendy and office workers and, you know, cool restaurants, but they were still had their trucks and, and everything. And then the other thing, working with them, as, as you said, Mr. Holly, whatever, they, it took years to get this one group's business. 
And I remember the phone call that was, all right, Scott, get the F over here. It's time to sell these effing buildings. <laughs> and that was it, and, you know, but I, that was four years of a building relationship with them. But when the time came, what's exciting about this too, you already have your whole spreadsheet of buyers. Right. They're ready for these things. Yeah. And so you got to see both sides of it pretty well. It, it is. And I will tell you to this day, and I just heard the story again yesterday, I, I was pretty much banging the drum about the West Loop early on before any other brokers. And I was really probably one of the first ones here. And I have a couple of gentlemen and, and one was Kurt Bailey from Related. I brought him over here early and he said, Scott, and he says to me not too long ago, I should have bought everything you told me to buy. I said, Kurt, I think you're doing just fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he, but I've heard that time and time again where people like, I don't see it yet. And I, and, and I said, it's, it's coming. I said, I guarantee If you can't see it now, yeah. then you're born. Well, this was, this was probably 12, 13, 14, right. early stages of there's no nationals here. They're, they hadn't redone the zoning. They hadn't made it a historic district. And they just, you know, once Mayor Emanuel and David Reifman really got a plan together here, then it was off to the races. And of course, once Google hit in 14, I bought my property, Floyd's Barbershop Building, for $97 a foot. Four years later, I sold the Mori Alley buildings for $360 a foot. Whoa. We're talking shells. These are brick walls. This is nothing. It needs everything. So yeah, that's how mar how fast the market moved. Yeah, everybody over thought over. that uh, Sterling Bay was crazy for buying that one property for $13 million, and nope. then they, they sold it for $35 million yeah. and years later. They yeah. didn't do anything to the property. They, they, did, they did that on more than one occasion. Very, very smart guys. Very smart. So Scott, with the Rosemont office, where is it and how's it going now since you started the pandemic? Sure. Well, ironically, both Boca and Rosemont opened at almost the same time in the pandemic, but it's great. We partnered with a guy by the name of John Joyce. As I said, he, there's 10 individuals. It's right in Rosemont, I think right off of Higgins. It's really, we should have probably gotten in this business. We've had individuals here who focus on industrial, but planning a flag and building something. John's got a great master plan for covering all all areas, all collar counties. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. So I mean, it, not just because it's the hottest product type right now, but he's a, he's a true industry vet and, and hires some good people. So it's success for us. So now, what's your vision for the future? I opened the office in Boca Raton, and I have a business partner there who owns the Fort Myers and the Sarasota SVN office. And what we have found was um, I put together the business plan prior to the pandemic. And the business plan it's, I, I came up with was, as my mantra of always having partners, we actually call SVN, Boca Raton is SVN commercial partners. We have investors and partners from Boston, Phoenix, Texas. And so I've gathered other managing directors from around the country. Um, and they've all invested in that office. We, after a year and a half, we estimated we were going to do about 750,000 gross emissions. We've exceeded that. We're already at a million and a half. And the offices, we have 11 people down there. So building that and the connection between the East and West Coast of Florida and the connection of Chicago to Florida. Oh, so we, we, what I'm realizing, and I think the pandemic is, is you know, everyone, there was a flight to, for a lot of people to Florida, but it also made it easier with, you know, Zooms and things like that. So I kind of do split some time between the two. 
But what I've said is it, it's, you know, I, I love Chicago and always will, but I, I kind of got a little overexposed here. Uh, I was so into it. I was involved in politics. I was on the, I was president of the West Loop Community Organization. I was president of the park. My family, we lived two blocks from here. You know, we, the business is here. So it kind of needed to take a step back. So Boca has been a very nice, like, it's going home. It's my hometown. It's where it's a great school. Where it's went to high school. My niece actually is my marketing coordinator down there. So that's kind of the next phase. I needed something to step away from Chicago to be in love with Chicago again. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's amazing. How about those having a little found, you know, if founder. Yeah. And so with the real estate that you're selling in Florida, is it primarily bigger buildings, office? Still kind of the same thing. SVN has been a great platform for us because we are not a mom and pop and we're not the JLL CDR institutional. We have this big middle market kind of swath of, of opportunities we claim from two to 20 million. Well, you know what you do? You do what we do in residential, and it's called cooperate yes, with other agents. Absolutely. You guys share commissions. I was trying to work a transaction with someone in your company, and they said, no, no, no. Whatever our commission is, our split is, we're splitting it. Absolutely. And what a powerful thing that is because it's so unique to a lot of the commercial agencies. So it, it, the company was founded in 1987 by two gentlemen that were at Marcus and Millichap, and it was a, a part of our core covenant and part of the concept of cooperating generally wasn't the case in the commercial real estate industry. Especially not yeah. as a military. <laughs> yeah. So these two gentlemen set out to build a different mousetrap. And that's why we have 200 offices nationwide. It's been around since 1987. And there's just really good people around the, around the country who get it and, and realize that, you know, Cooperation, it, it, the whole world's moving in that direction. You know, it's the it's the other companies that are, are not adapting to technology, adapting to collaboration, adapting that, you know, that's still how they operate. But I, I'll tell you, it's been interesting over the years to tell our differentiator of, of cooperation and then see the little light bulb go off. People are like, wait a minute, that's not what I've been hearing from all these other guys. So we've been very lucky in that regard that, you know, it's it's played well, It's it's... You know, we've had clients for life and, and it's something that at the end of the day, you're doing what's in the best interest of the client, not the broker. Hopefully that I, I always wonder that when these agents don't get back to me for so long. And then when they make you sign these confidential yeah. agreements, basically barriers to entry, you can't do yeah. anything. Yep. Less than that. So well, how, many, you, how many people in this office? 50, I think. Uh, we opened up another satellite office in Rosemont. We partnered with a gentleman by the name John Joyce, who's about a 20, 30 year vet in the industry. And that's focused solely on industrial. We opened that one the same time we opened Boca. So that one opened uh, and then we're up to 10 people there. So between Chicago and, and the Rosemont office, we're about 60 people total. We've got 24 out in Denver. We're up to 11 in Boca. Well, that's a great time to be doing industrial. I tell you, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like uh, the Amazon uh, yep. whole phenomenon is yeah. really a phenomenon. Yeah. It's kind of like what happened around here. Yeah, absolutely. What have we not talked about that we should hit on here? How many kids in your family? I'm one of three boys. And what two, brothers? Two older brothers. One is somewhere gallivanting in South America. The other one is a general contractor. He was eight years older than me, so he's older brother, but almost like an uncle. A big mentor. A big mentor, yeah. yeah. What I learned from him was that he didn't have the work-life balance. He was a workaholic, still is a workaholic, and doesn't 
unfortunately had as many other outside interests. Well, so that's what we can talk about. Yes. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're kind of an outdoors. <laughs> Adventure, adrenaline junkie, any of those. Yeah, I, I, I've had some, I, and as of late, I've always been, I consider myself some kind of athlete. But as of late this summer, I actually did two mini triathlons. And then on Sunday, which I'm still sore from, I did a Spartan race. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still in a Spartan race. Spartan race is 20 obstacles. It's a race, not a, it's a challenge, not a race. And everything from throwing a javelin to climbing a, you know, warped wall to, you know. You better uh, run through mud. I, we had run through some mud. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was great. It was a good experience, but. I've always kind of done that. I've done three Chicago marathons, wow. you know, and so I've always kind of been active in that regard. I think one of my passions though is is kind of the adventure travel that I've done. For my bachelor party before I, I got married, my best friend and I climbed Kilimanjaro in Africa. Oh, just, yes. a, little, just a little climb. That's <laughs> just a little climb. How long did that take you? About three and a half days. It was the it was nineteen five, it was the base camp of Everest. And the story I like to joke and tell is I worked out so hard and trained and I would call my buddy. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm having a beer, eating a burger. I'm like, dude, you got to train. We're going up the mountain. And guess who got altitude sickness? Me. Yeah. Not him. He was fine. So was, we made it, but it was, it was a, it was a challenge. And then we were in the uh, Serengeti place on the Goro Goro crater and stuff like that. I've also had the privilege of, uh, I've sailed to Havana, Cuba. Wow, that was was a great trip. My best friend and I, for my fiftieth, hiked into the Grand Canyon. So yeah, I, I still my body's saying I still do it. So are, are you into the uh, water sports? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Down in Florida, we just I just went wakeboarding with my kids. So are you in a boat? Probably, but I got other things like on the yeah. agenda first. But well, yeah. Boats are kind of scary because then you have it, and then you better go visit it. The best boats are somebody else has. That's, yeah. uh, that's it because you use it three times a year, four yep. times a year. It's perfect. Yeah. And so right now is a uh, let's say your average day. You wake up, do you work out first thing? Yeah, usually it's three times a week. I have a trainer. Actually, we have a gym in my building next door. But yeah, usually it, uh, I do some kind of strength training or something like that. So you 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 still lift weights? Yeah, absolutely. Cardio? Yeah, no, I have my I, my trainer throws a little bit of everything in there. Fantastic. So the trainer is just to motivate you to really. Yeah, I, go you know it's hard. funny. People always I, I I was not a trainer guy, and maybe it was when I turned fifty, and I said, you know what, I'm paying for it. It's an appointment, and someone's waiting on me. Right. Uh, and sure, we look at your kids and think, I got another decade that I got to be in shape for. You know, I a boy and a girl, nine year old twins that are just nonstop. So. And so, how old how old were you when you had forty one? No, I'm 52 now, so 43. 43. Yes. Yeah, I had my last one, 45. Yeah. They definitely keep you younger. Yeah, absolutely. And so you said girls or boys? Boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. Yeah. So you've got one that sits in the couch and studies, and then one that uh, breaks the house up. Yeah. What, well, I think my daughter's going to be the death of me. She has some of me, too, maybe too much of me in her. She challenges she, you. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, she wants to go to rock concerts, and she's doing hip hop dancing and Ninja Warriors and she runs with me and we go for jazz. So yeah, he's more into the gaming and the computers, stuff like that. So she's, she's my athlete. Isn't that funny how that yeah. goes? Yeah, I had two girls and they were both athletes. And yep. My older one, I could you know, yell and scream yeah. and she could handle it. Yeah. And my younger one did not like the yelling. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both really good athletes. Yeah. It's fun to be around that. It keeps it you is. young, there's it no is. question about it. It is. And so, so your hobbies are all the working out. You like to go out to eat? 
Yeah. You know, obviously been challenging with the pandemic. I wouldn't go foodie, but very into food. Yeah. I'll try anything. I've eaten anything, you know. Who cooks at home? We split. It, it, it depends. When we were downtown here and, and we, you know, we were always out, always out to eat. It felt like it was easier. Yeah, you probably got business from it, And so many options. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so what's your wife? Her name is Courtney. Uh, we met actually at Sussex or Riley way back when. She had been in special events. So she actually, it's funny, where I'm, I'm the front guy or I'm the face, she's always behind the scenes. So it's, it, it works well in that regard. And, you know, she's got her master's in education. She's very organized kind of thing. I mean, I'm organized, but with the help of... So you married up. Yeah, exactly. So it's really a partnership. Well, Scott, what's your thoughts on you're just getting into real estate. What do you what do you tell someone if they're getting into commercial? Well, a couple of things. One is find a mentor. Find find somebody who has had the experience, someone that you can learn from. But I will tell you, if you do not have the mindset of that this is a long game, then don't do it. Because I always say residential is the race, commercial is the marathon. It really is. And and, and you're not going to be, most people will not be successful in the first couple of years in commercial. It's when you hit that three year, five year, 10 year mark, and you've built a name and built a business. I mean, I think all of us want instant gratification, but a lot of what I did and built was relationships and they took time and you just kind of keep at it. You know, I mean, that that's the one thing. I think the number one trait that we've talked about internally and nationwide is the number one quality you want in somebody in this business, probably residential too, but it's tenacity. And it's, you're gonna get knocked down. You gotta have the ability to get back up. I feel like it's purpose and passion. Yeah. If you really have a written goal and you really know the things that you need to do, you feel terrible if you don't do that. Right. I think the thing that we trouble, we, we find hard is the fact that when someone's new to the business and new to the workforce, I'll tell you one of our most successful brokers that we had for a while. Actually, in, he was in his mid forties and his previous career, he was a fishmonger and he was a business owner and he cut deals for fish. Let me tell you, it translated just fine and he knew sales, he knew people and he was very successful for us. And he now went off to be on the development side. I kept explaining to people, you know, the inflection in your voice is so important. Mm -hmm. And so did you get rusted and are you ready? You know, like, Athletes make great salespeople because yep. you're at any position. Yep. You know, like I don't sit down when I'm selling. Yeah. I stand up at my desk because I want to be ready. I want to sound ready. And I feel like some, people really get that. They're like, wow. Yeah. I, they want to work with people that are enthusiastic, yep. that like what they're doing, and answer their phone. Yeah. I feel like just answering your phone. That's 101. Yeah. And I'll show you my office. I threw away my chair about four years ago. I have a, I have a stand-up desk. <laughs> so... It is there. And so your method and methodologies are the same kind, like use the technology. Yep. I mean, the, the, the thing that we preach all over the country and here is specialized, whether it's a vertical or whether it's geographical. So be the retail specialist like Chris Irwin or be the geographical specialist like me here in the West Loop and don't deviate. That's where you get r real success. I have very few generalists in this office. I have a handful, but generalists, for the most part, you know, there's a certain quality to them and they can always maintain and do business. But I think real success is in the focus and the specialization. I think 
think you're right. I think the thing that I also had said, which which is important, is you got to have a database and you got to have encyclopedic knowledge of your market. You need to know every owner, every deal, whether you're in them or not, so you can speak intelligently about your market. Statistics. Yeah. Statistics, really, it's amazing. And whether it's a studio apartment or a huge tract of land, yep. the statistics of what's happened historically and what's currently happened fall right into place if you really look at the numbers. Yeah. So I know you're a numbers. We well we are and we our my team tracks all that and, and we have clients calling, we have cranes calling, we have people always saying, you know, you guys have done more transactions in less loop, what are you seeing, what are you hearing? So there's also that part of just kind of being in the know too. And I also think an important part is at least the path I took, get involved in the community. If you're if you're geographically focused, get involved. You know, being president of the park was a thankless job. I did volunteer for five years. I was involved with the West Loop Community Organization for 10. So that also shows that you're committed. Credibility. And exactly. You get to know everyone. So exactly. someone walks by, you know who they are. Yep. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. But have a long view. That's the, that's the, don't get into this as a job. Commercial real estate is, is a career. It's a vocation. And, and when you look at it, it's going to be lean. It's going to be hard. But, you know, once you get over a certain hump, I, I don't see people leaving the industry when they've been in five and seven, ten years. It's interesting that residential, for, for so long it was, you build your brand, you build your name, and you really do it on your own. You make do the shows. Now everybody's convinced to be a team. And right. some of the people that are doing well, they're really good at marketing. And they don't even know that much about real estate. Right. They have other people running around doing everything else. Yep. All they're really doing is marketing and making it look good. Yeah. And it cracks me up because that's not what I would want to do. I want to be the person who they're asking serious questions to and yeah. really giving like a therapist yeah. consultation. Well, I think that speaks to being a transactional broker or a relationship broker. Right. I've had clients for decades. And, and you know, if you're transactional, you're one and done. You're just there for the fee. I still talk to people that I've sold their buildings and, you know, I've sent many people onto their retirements and I still talk to them. That's in one so, so right? their buildings. Well, they have two. That's how you get referrals. Right. Everybody knows someone. And if, if you're top of mind and they remember you or they're thinking of this, you get that referral. There's nothing better to me in real estate when someone really trusts you with the referral. Agreed. They they want you to represent them. I find that's an awesome Agreed. responsibility where a lot of people really take it very light, like you said, they're just transactional. They yep. care less about the person. They don't really care if they get yep. the number that they're trying to get or achieve. You don't build a business and a reputation, you make a living. Right. You know? And we're looking at it in a different way. Yeah. And kudos to you. Thanks. Congratulations on all the success. Appreciate it. Hope it happens in the future here. Hopefully we can get out and take a walk together sometime. Love to. All right, my friend. All right. This is Greg Vitti from Real Estate Legends, wrapping up with Scott Mazel of SBN. Thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we'll have another one out for you to listen to soon.